We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, Senior Editor here at SportingNews.com, joined by lead college football writer Bill Bender, also at SportingNews.com. Bill, uh, we're coming off a week seven that had a lot of hype going into it, and somehow it uh, not only lived up to the hype, it exceeded it. Yeah, I mean, it's the was the best weekend of the year. I mean, whether you were in Knoxville, whether you were in... Utah, um, TCU, and Oklahoma State. And, you know, the one game that we thought would maybe live up was Michigan-Penn State, and that was the one-sided one. So, you know, a lot of shifting. I I think the good news, like whenever you have a week like that, Bill, where there were six-ranked games, you think, oh, the next week's kind of a hangover. No, we have five more this week. So it's it's really cranking into gear gear here mid-October. But what a what a weekend it was! Yeah, we we were you and I were nonstop talking about it. it. Was great. It was amazing. It was amazing all over the country. I mean, uh, uh, North Carolina sticks it to Duke after sticking it to Duke in the college basketball season. Uh, Coach K's final home game, and then the Final Four, and then they break their heart again on the football field a few months later. And that was about the twentieth most interesting game on the docket on Saturday. So it was terrific, but. You know, let's start in Knoxville. I mean, we're not going to review the whole week, and, and and Tennessee certainly has gotten their flowers everywhere, you know, nationally on every podcast and every – and deservedly so. You know, they played great. They had a terrific atmosphere, a terrific celebration. Um, what I want to do is look at the other side, look at Alabama, and look at specifically, you know, what's going on with the – the king of the hill, so to speak. You know, you say the, the season doesn't start till Alabama loses. Well, Alabama lost, and let's talk about Alabama losing. Uh, they, they, they drove down the field at 49-49. And let's talk about the end of the game strategy. They, they got to the 50-yard line with a minute to go, and then they, they, they threw six passes. Uh, Bryce Young at that point had completed 74% of his passes, and then he ended up actually going one for six in the last minute. Uh, they they completed a third and ten to get down to the thirty-two yard line with about thirty-eight seconds to go. Tennessee had two timeouts, and 
Alabama did not execute. They threw three straight incomplete passes, left Tennessee time, forced their kicker to kick a 50-yard field goal. Uh, that's just not that's not smart football, and it's surprising to see a Nick Saban team leave time on the clock, not get any closer for the field goal. What did you see in those last, you I mean, know? Poor game plays? management. You don't mm-hmm. – I mean, first mm-hmm. and 10 from the 32, you throw to the tight end. I've got the play-by-play right here. Then you an incomplete pass to Jameer Gibbs. You have to run the ball one time between first and second, just from a simple game management point of you're on the 32-yard line. You think your kicker's good from there. You force Tennessee to use one timeout. I would have run it twice. I would have made them use both or just set it up and say, okay, we're, we're going to over if we lose here. Um, you know, even the, the third down play, just not a, not a great route. So – as soon as that happened, I said, Tennessee's going to win. I didn't, you know, obviously they get the 29 yard pass to Brew McCoy and it sets off the field goal and everything that came after that. But I think at, at the end of the day, yeah, it was poor game management. And that wasn't the only thing they, they managed poorly, but in terms of end of game, maybe it's because I watched so much NFL, like that I was like, yeah, they should run the ball in first down. And, and they didn't. I mean, Jameer Gibbs had 4.3 yards per carry. So, yeah, not not real smart decision-making there by the Alabama coaching staff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, it was key to that Tennessee needed both of those timeouts to get into field goal range to win the game. And really, the final seven plays of that game all went in Tennessee's favor. You know, the incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. There's three. Alabama misses a field goal is four. And then the complete pass for Tennessee with a timeout is five. Another completed pass down to field goal range was six. And then Tennessee kicker makes the field goal for the seven. So when push came to shove and the game was absolutely on the line, Tennessee essentially won seven straight plays from Alabama. Yeah. And it, it, it was just one after another and it set off everything that happened. I mean, and that it, 
it's almost that was the focus instead of what the back and forth that went for the other 59 minutes in the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was multiple chances where Alabama had to win the game. You know, you have a net pass interference on mm. Kool-Aid McKinstry's interception. That's ball game if they don't hold the receiver. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many. They didn't take advantage of Hennon Hooker's interception to begin with. So a lot of missed opportunities. And, and as a result, and I, I, you, you reference what I always say when I say the season doesn't start until <laughs> Alabama loses. It's true because now there's possibilities, right? Now we're talking about Tennessee and Georgia making the playoff. And can TCU get in? Can UCLA get in? All of that starts once Alabama loses. Like, because that we're so accustomed to seeing them do what they do every year. And it offer. I mean, it literally offers hope. It's like the ending scene in Star Wars when they lose. Yeah, so they looked back at last season, and this is, so the two seasons since Alabama won the 2020 National Championship with an undefeated season. Nine of their last 15 Power 5 games have been either one score, wins, or losses. Are they slipping? Are they they're are they not the top of the top of the mountain anymore? I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, 2020 though, I mean, maybe so 2020 they were invincible. That was one of the best. I mean, when whenever you do one of those barstool conversations about who are the greatest college football teams of all time 2020 alabama's in that conversation they dominated offensively all those guys went to the nfl and you know they're they haven't been quite the same since and i think some of what's covering it up is you, you as you know you see the helmet behind me i'm a packers fan some of what covers it up is bryce young they don't have bryce young they're two lost team right now they're, they're maybe a three loss team because mm -hmm. he's so good and he he honestly kept them in that game in a lot of ways against Tennessee because he was going shot for shot, his ability to extend plays, all those things. But are they slipping? I don't, I don't know from a talent standpoint that they are. I, I really don't. I, but you know, some of these schools that I think some of that mystique has worn off slightly. You still got to beat Alabama when you play them. There's a reason why they stormed the field. You know, they didn't beat – you don't storm the field. We can get into that later. I, I have some thoughts on that. But um, <laughs> you don't storm the field when you beat Florida. You storm the, you still storm the field when you beat Alabama. So, I mean, yeah, they're just not – it's not the Alabama comes to town and win by 40 team right now. No. And it might not be for a while because the SEC West has a bunch of talented teams. And they, they've got a ton of talent, but the penalties are just killing them, obviously. That's been talked about a lot. They had 15 against Texas. They had 17 against Tennessee. They're 129th in the nation in penalties right now. They're giving away 80 yards a game, which is a quick way to give away your talent advantage is like committing, you know, 80 yards worth of penalties, giving that back. And, you know, you just referenced it. Do we expect them to win out? Do we expect them to win the SEC title game? Do we expect them to get to the playoffs at this point? I don't think so. I wouldn't take it for granted. I mean, and, and here's the thing. 66 penalties, most in the nation. 79.8 yards. And, and in the world we live in today, you reduce that down to like the Nick Saban gif or the the tweet where he's, I would be doing the same thing. <laughs> if my, if I had, I, I've coached youth football for five years. If a kid touches a punt, I would be doing the same thing. If we continue to make the same penalties, I would be doing. I, there wouldn't be enough headsets on the sideline. He's right to be angry and frustrated with this team, and I think that's why you see the message in his press conference this week. It's not good enough. That's that's not their standard, and 
it cost them in some ways it cost them this game. You can't have 16 penalties against the top five team and expect to win. No. So everything Nick Saban says on that, and now whose fault is that? Right. <laughs> hey, you know, they'd always, they always say it comes down to coaching. You have an undisciplined team, those kind of things. So if they don't clean that up, they will lose again. They'll lose to Ole Miss. They won't, I don't think they'll lose this week. Um, but, but again, that's what we're taking things for granted, Bill, because everybody thinks, well, they lost. So we're going to get angry Bama that destroys Mississippi state this week. Maybe, but if they have 80 yards of penalties against a quarterback that has 23 touchdown passes, maybe not. It's a strange thing. I mean, I was at the SEC media days before the season and, you know, (laughs) I don't know if Saban mentioned it there or he mentioned it somewhere during the preseason that last year was a rebuilding year. And they made the national championship game, of course. And they have, you know, Will Anderson on the defensive side, just praised his leadership up and down. Bryce Young on the offensive side, praised his leadership. Alabama looked primed to be number one. They were consensus number one. And now here we are, just, you know, close game, close game, finally a loss. It's it's just, uh, you know, interesting. Well, you know uh, who's going to gonna feel it, Bill, is Pete Golding. Because the other thing from that game, one sack, zero quarterback hurries. I, you know, you, you and I were talking about that during the game. Hendon Hooker had it all day, mm-hmm. and when he didn't have all day, he picked a lane and ran. Like, yeah. it, you can't win games doing that. They, I don't know if Tennessee's scheme freaked him out with the widespread. I mean, Jalen Hyatt obviously had a huge game too, but I, I, that's who it will fall on first if they don't go to the playoff. The first coach that's gone is Pete Golding. They'll, they'll replace him. Uh, yeah. I asked you during the game, has Will Anderson made a play? <laughs> yet have you noticed no. him out there you know it was it was strange but let's move off Alabama I mean you wrote a column Monday uh coming off this wonderful week to look ahead and see what are the seven season defining games left on the schedule now that the the picture has shifted a little bit um why don't you go through a few of those games and why you have them on your list of of the seven most important remaining games of the season Two of them are this weekend. Yeah, two of them this weekend for sure. And and Clemson-Syracuse is on that list. The, the games that will shape the college football playoff race. The mm-hmm. ones that, I mean, they range from one in the ACC there this weekend. UCLA and Oregon, Pac-12 putting out another great game. And then, you know, then you kind of have to have teams to continue to win. I mean, I, I think the obvious ones are Georgia, Tennessee, and Michigan, Ohio State. Those are the two best games left on the schedule. And we can debate which one's better. I'm always going living up here, I'm always going to say, yeah, it's Michigan, Ohio State, because there's a good chance they're both going to be 11-0. and um, It's neat that the, the top four teams in the country are going to play each other in the regular season. Yeah, th- that's awesome. And the other sleeper game on there that I thought was interesting is if TCU continues to do what they do, um, playing Texas – and Quinn Ewers, who's one of the hot quarterbacks, and their former coach Gary Patterson on the other sideline. I think that one will get a lot of attention. And we just talked about, not to circle back and make everything about Bama, but uh, if Ole Miss buries their playoff hopes, that's going to be wild if it's Lane Kiffin is the one that does it. When Mm -hmm. they go to Oxford, which is their next huge road game, which will be sold out, and they will storm the field and do all those things if Ole Miss beats them. So um, plenty of good games in the second half of the season. I think the two that have the potential to match or exceed what we saw Saturday are Georgia, Tennessee, obviously. And um, when Michigan beat Penn State the way that they did, this happened in 2006. Now we're starting to think, 
oh yeah, they're going to play Ohio State and they're both going to be unbeaten. It's only happened once. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that would be awesome if they did it again. Speaking of storming the field against Alabama, I heard uh, Ross Dellinger on the Yahoo Sports podcast. Uh, he's SI writer, but mentioned that when he was at Knoxville and was talking to the Alabama beat writers and they, you know, this is obviously unofficial type of thing, but <laughs> the Alabama beat writers told him the last time a visit or a, a home team beat Alabama and did not storm the field that they could remember was 2010 LSU. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. They're still, <laughs> when people stop doing it, <laughs> then they won't be Alabama anymore, right? Like it's not a big deal to beat them. Of course it's a big deal. It would be a, um, <clears throat> a big deal for Mississippi state to win, even though they're on the road. Um, yeah, it, it really is. But I, I still think they're in the mix. Um, and the, the other game, U, USC, UCLA could be interesting. Um, especially if UCLA beats Oregon this weekend and they continue that March that they've done, they're probably other than Syracuse, the, the one undefeated team, we we talked about them a lot last week, but they don't get talked a lot about nationally. Right. Yeah. No, there's still a lot left on the docket for sure, and I think this weekend whetted everybody's appetite for the rest of the season. I want to go – I'm not a huge what-if guy in terms of the playoff scenarios and this and that, but one that did strike me that, you know, is within the realm of possibility is, is where a scenario – comes that uh let's say you know the big 10 champion gets one of the four slots for the college football playoff either ohio state or michigan is what it's looking like right now and then we have got um it boils down to the you know the sec champion is going to get a spot and then we're thinking the big 10 is, I mean, sorry, the big 12 is probably going to cannibalize itself at some point. Um, but an undefeated Clemson would be probably the third spot. And, and it could come down to the fourth spot with Oregon winning the pac 12, winning out, winning the pac 12, going 12 and one and Tennessee, should they lose to Georgia, winning out but losing to Georgia, they go 11 and 1. Those those scenarios are not off the table. And now you've got Oregon at 12 and 1 with a loss to Georgia, Tennessee at 11 and 1 with a loss to Georgia. I would not want to be on the committee trying to figure that one out. That's when you'll start hearing the four very best teams thing that they like to say because I think they would take Tennessee depending on what the score is. Let's say I, yeah, I let's say it's a 10-point Georgia winner. Yeah, like I was saying, like I haven't looked at the line, but let's say like Georgia wins 38-28, something like that. Um, they would take Tennessee, I think. They would find a way to take Tennessee and then make it Tennessee, Georgia, Clemson, and probably Ohio State so they could get that Ohio State-Tennessee matchup. See, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the the what-ifs. I love looking at them because – I and, and to your point, it does play itself out. I mean, the other – fascinating one uh is tennessee or georgia it's the simplest one georgia beats tennessee alabama beats georgia now what like they're mm-hmm. all sitting there you've got mm-hmm. you know 12 and 1 12 and 1 11 and 1 and probably three of the four best teams in the country at that point do they put all three in and i doubt all, it and they all beat each other right right like that's the old round robin we beat each other but who's set who then you'll start to hear the fans say, 
you know, that this so Tennessee sitting there at 11 and one, just like you said, well, they're better than Oregon. They're better than Clemson. Clemson had, you'll hear the Clemson ain't played anybody thing. That'll start. So it's coming. Those are coming. Those are going to be crazy. And in the Pac 12, they have not been in the playoff in five years. They'd be tearing their hair out. They have a 12 and one champion with the only loss to potentially the number one team in the country. (laughs) And they can't get in because the second place team in the SEC East bumps them out. Could you imagine? (laughs) No, I mean, that, that could happen. And they, and TCU could be sitting there at, 12 and one at the end of the year. And and they've done this before where they were 12 or 11 and one at the end of the year and got bumped in the last week. So, and, and then from up here, I mean, why wouldn't let, here's the way the big 10 would get in that chat would be if Michigan beats Ohio state and Ohio state sitting there at 11 and one second and place, like, second place. What, in their what division. about us? Like after let's say Ohio state just dominates, which they've done all the way through, and then they lose 42. See, I think if it's the other way around, I think Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl and they they do it that way. But if Ohio State loses, I think it's a little bit different. But, again, that's why we have the next seven weeks, and what-ifs are always fascinating. But that one against Oregon and Tennessee certainly would get, I think, as much pub as any because it's Tennessee. And Tennessee, uh, you know, has that the, the trump card win against Alabama. And it's just reputation. SEC is better than the Pac-12. And, you know, what can mm-hmm. you do? And, they, well, we they're supposedly value championships. And Oregon's like, we just won 12 straight games in our league championship. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and if, if Tennessee does lose to Georgia, that would be a loss in November uh, as we get to the end of the season. So, yeah, that'll be a fascinating one. And, you know, Ohio State, if they lose to Michigan and are second place in the Big Ten East – the resume isn't the strongest. Right. I don't know what their second best win is going to be. I guess it would be Penn State in that scenario. And we saw what Michigan did to Penn State. That took uh, Penn State's reputation took a hit Saturday. I don't know what Ohio State could point to. Should they end up with a loss to Michigan? They're going to end up with. Let's say they lose to Michigan just for fun. They could end up with three wins against ranked teams that aren't ranked essentially like Notre Dame's not going to be ranked. <clears throat> um, Wisconsin's not going to be ranked. Um, and Penn state might be ranked by the time they beat them. Who knows? I think they still would hover in the twenties if those are their only two losses, but exactly right. But it, I think it's just, this comes back to that old phrase that I detest the style points. Ohio state does do it with style points. They've dominated every game so far. And uh, you know, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Their matchup against Iowa that people are trying to sell, but, <laughs> that's one that if i see on the shelf i know better to, than to buy it it's a it's a 20 point 29 point spread right now so i don't know how you're gonna sell that one uh so i wrote a column this week coming off just again this just spectacular weekend of, of fantastic finishes and i discussed uh the college football playoff and they're about to expand it to 12 teams and they want to have the first round on campus, but then they want to have the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals at bowl sites. And if anything, this weekend emphasized how special college football is when the atmospheres are ramped up. And I think it's a huge mistake to move these games off campus and put them in these NFL stadiums in faraway cities and, you know, for an example, I, I looked at Georgia's schedule today, 
And let's say they win the SEC championship like they did last year and they make the national championship like they did last year. And they will have a 15-game schedule if they go all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Six games at Sanford Stadium out of 15. Five, yes. new, five yeah. neutral site games. Five. They played Oregon to start the year at a neutral site. They're going to play Florida and Jacksonville at a neutral site. And those that, that was a fun – that's always a fun atmosphere, but still it's not at Sanford Stadium. And then the SEC Championship, the semifinal, and the final, all neutral site games. Georgia fans at Sanford Stadium get six home games. They are right. Georgia Tech. They are Vanderbilt. Uh, basically the only two relevant games are going to be Auburn and Tennessee. And even Auburn – is, you know, a little bit, it was a 20 point spread or whatever. So, you know, Georgia fans get shortchanged. And I just think that they need to put, they've got, if the playoff expands to 12 teams, there's going to be 11 playoff games. I think the first 10 need to be on campus. You can still have your bowls. You can still just invite different teams, this and that. Put 10 of those playoff games on campus. And then the 11th game, the national championship game, can be at a neutral site game like the Super Bowl. I mean, and, and ironically, at the same time all this craziness was going on on Saturday, the storming of the field at Colorado and Utah and, you know, everywhere. It was, it's very exciting. TCU and then, of course, the celebration right. of all celebrations in Knoxville also going on with the baseball playoffs. And they were having unbelievable games and unbelievable atmospheres at home stadiums they don't play the baseball playoffs at at neutral sites they play them their home stadiums that added to the baseball playoffs which was going on simultaneously to all this wonderful stuff in college football so i know you're a fan of the bulls but i just wondering what your thoughts were on what they can do to transfer kind of the magic of the regular season the college football regular season is the best regular season but the postseason is not This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done. Right. I mean, you're right. I, I would say I would take it to the final four and then then you can go to the Bulls. So first and second round can be on campus. That would be what I would do. Um, you can make because what you're describing is is the NFL playoffs. The NFL to me, college football has the best regular season. The NFL has the best postseason. I don't I, I like MLB postseason, but to me, it's like. And I've got my Padres shirt on, by the way. I'm a Padres <laughs> fan. So, yeah, those atmospheres are crazy, but the regular season atmospheres are not. You can get into an MLB baseball game for 8 bucks and go drink your beer in the outfield, do what you need to do. The NFL has the best playoff model. It just does. And um, But you know, you're right. I mean, to me, first round, definitely on campus. Second round on campus makes sense because if you're a one, two, three, or 4 seed, you you get a playoff game at home. Exactly. That's <laughs> reward a reward. Your fans, reward right. your school, reward your players. I mean, that's the most simplest form of the reward. 
like give your season ticket holders a reward. Hey, we're, you know, incentive to buy the tickets. And Michigan um, finishes number four. Your reward is a game in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. No, that's not right. And you're right. So I think they definitely need to. But to me, then once you get to the final four, you can make it like college where, you know, you, once you're in the final four in the basketball tournament, you go to New Orleans, wherever. But that's make, different because it's one weekend. This is two completely right. separate weekends. I mean, the final four is great because, yeah, everyone gathers in the same city. You play Saturday and Monday. These are two completely different trips. You know, right. it's not one for the fans. College, you know, college final four for basketball. It's it's one trip in one city, and everybody's there, well, and it's kind of fun and everything. And I love the final four. I think it's great. But this is, I don't think you can duplicate that. I really think it should be. You just said the NFL postseason is the best. So they have an opportunity to do it, uh, to model it after them by putting them on campus all the way up to the championship. Well, game. to do that, they have to ditch the conference championship games too. Because I just don't, in a 12-team playoff, I see less value in the conference championship games if you're making it like the NFL. It's not like in week 18 they do a NFC North championship game. That's what the regular season's for. So uh, not that the Packers would get there this year, but um, I digress. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm saying. Like ditch the conference championship games, 12-team playoff, because you know who the 12 best teams are. Like that's what I'm – some of the problems – that we've run into in the 14 playoff. And I've talked about this for years, like the big 12. Now that they do it, we said for years, do a conference championship game. Now that they do one TCU might get screwed. They mm. might go 12 and 0 and then lose. And then you're out the pac 12. Right. They're, they're doing all these tweaks to their conference championship game. The, this, the, the dirty secret about conference championship games is this. These conferences want the higher ranked team to win. You, oh, you want, yeah, like you want Clemson to win. Do you want North Carolina to knock off Clemson? No. Do you want the Big Ten West champ? Do you want Illinois to win the Big Ten championship? No, they don't. So I would just get rid of those. But, you know, excellent, Colin, because you're right. The atmosphere is great. And um, my only other thing that you're going to, because this is life, Bill, when you get something, you have to give up something. If you get those games on campus, you're going to lose the field storming. They won't let, they'll, they'll, have ridiculously strict penalties if you storm the field then you won't be allowed because they won't want somebody to get hurt i mean i'm telling you like so so i came up with three simple rules for being able to storm the field all right let's hear and it you can't do it otherwise unless you beat a top five team okay maybe even i would even say top three team Ooh, all right like um if you have a losing streak of 10 plus years to a rival so tennessee qualified okay and exceptions like exceptions like colorado being colorado was good by how great was that that was great they get to storm the field because they're really bad and utah gets to storm the field because of no obviously the emotion around the players they they dedicated those performances to players that died so those are exceptions everything else if if alabama's ranked number eight i'm sorry you can't go do it can't do it no i don't care like no, no and you beat them last year like Tennessee, next time they play Alabama at Neyland and they win, they're not allowed to storm the field. All right, we'll have fans consult you each week beforehand whether or yeah, not like, if they win, okay, they can email you well, and ask, right. are we, is, is a field storming permitted in this scenario? Well, Ohio State stormed the field in 18 against Michigan, and I'm thinking, like, why? Like, you beat them by 40 and you beat them every year. So I'm like, is it is it just so you can say you did it at that point? Like, to me, there has to be 
And it's the same in basketball. And DeCourcy will tell you the same thing, I think, that there's certain, like everything, what is it? Certain restrictions apply, Bill. <laughs> Last thing, we released our midseason All-American team on Tuesday and uh, at sportingnews.com. And Sporting News is one of the five consensus All-America uh, determinants at the end of the year. So our, our midseason All-America team is up at sportingnews.com. And as we were finalizing the team, an interesting debate arose at the quarterback spot. C.J. Stroud was our leader heading into the weekend, and we had you know, wanted to finalize our team after week seven. And boy, after what Hendon Hooker did, and then you compare those two guys, and the numbers are very similar, and you know, Hendon Hooker had the stage. C.J. Stroud has not had the stage yet. And you look at Tennessee, they've each played four Power Five opponents. Tennessee's, uh, the cumulative record of Tennessee's opponents is 19 and 8, and Ohio State's is 12 and 14. So I would say Hooker has had tougher competition. He threw five touchdowns against Alabama, and he came through in the final seconds of the biggest game of the year. So there was an argument to be made for Hooker, even though I think Stroud's the betting favorite and the perceived Heisman Trophy leader. You made a good argument and a probably a winning argument. And I was like, no, we still got to put Stroud on there. So, um, <laughs> no, uh, which is, this is where we're at though. This is kind of the, if we're being honest about it, we Stroud is the safe pick. You can't, nobody's going to sit there and say, Hey, this guy that has 24 touchdowns, three interceptions, ridiculous accuracy, best offense in the country um, has answered every test and looks I think he looks better than he did last year in terms of accuracy and, and some of the throws he's making. Yeah, he's the Heisman favorite, so we're safe. But had we put Hendon Hooker on there, I guess I wouldn't have been real upset. because It's I was, defensible. It's definitely defensible. Yeah, like it, that's what makes it interesting is Hooker has the biggest win of the season, has you know an over, overtime win at Pitt. It was impressive at the time and um, beat Florida – leader accurate runs a fun offense i mean that's why i kind of want to see these two play in the playoff because mm-hmm. i'm like that would be fun with those fan bases and th- those uh offenses it- it'd be a great time but i you're definitely on to something because right now hooker probably has better resume but is he a better player than cj stroud i don't know I, and that's that's the hard part of the argument you can't measure like CJ Stroud's probably going to be the number one pick. He hasn't, and and some of it is CJ Stroud has so much skill, position, talent around him that all he has to do is go out there and win. And so, which stage is bigger? I think if Hooker beats Georgia versus if Stroud beats Michigan, Hooker would have a little bit of more of an advantage because that's Georgia's defense. Yeah, I mean, his heroics in the last 30 seconds of that game alone, you know, forget about the fact that he threw for almost 400 yards and five touchdown passes. I mean, when push came to absolute shove, he came through with a beautiful 25-yard pass or whatever it was to set up the field goal, just unbelievably clutch. So, yeah, yeah. kudos to him, kudos to Stroud. And if any of our listeners want to come into our All-American meetings, they're not, like, real contentious, but, like, I always joke with you, like, okay, well, you guys can have the Ohio State fans in your mentions, or you can have the Tennessee fans, and well, I guess the Tennessee fans will be in mine, I suppose. But not, not 
any other real surprises on the All-American team? I mean, a very straightforward. Um, you, we looked at it. I, I think the one player that I just want to point this out real quick is Chase Brown's been amazing at Illinois and, and watching Illinois play and be in the mix. Um, he's the one that I was. we were debating on the second running back around Corum, but Chase Brown's been a great story for Illinois. Um, I think they're headed to Indianapolis, which is still crazy. Uh, <laughs> Brett Bielema could uh, bust up the playoff picture one way or the other. And I wanted so desperately to project them to a bull game against Arkansas just to do it but i i didn't do it this week maybe they'll get arkansas on like the uh gator bowl or something that'd be great that'd be great all right well that wraps up our tuesday edition here at the all america podcast join us again tomorrow where we will look ahead to week eight a lot of games to break down we'll update uh, where we are in the confidence contest have a little trivia have a little fun uh but that does it for our our tuesday show and we want to thank everybody for listening thanks everybody Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.